You know, most adults today really dread the idea of memorizing something. In fact, I don't think most of us really even know our phone numbers anymore. And yet we put our kids in schools that really emphasize, especially in the grammar school, memory work. We have events like speech meet. And I wonder at times if there's not a little bit of us wondering, is this really a good thing? It seems pretty tedious to us as adults. I want to tell you today, especially after you get to hear from our guest and a couple of students who are on the show, it is a great gift to be able to memorize in the grammar school. Stay tuned for this episode of Basecamp Live. Mountains, we all face them as we seek to influence the next generation. Get equipped to conquer the challenges, summit the peak, and shape exceptionally thoughtful, compassionate, and flourishing human beings. We call it ancient future education for raising the next generation. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Now your host, Davies Owens. Well, welcome to Basecamp Live. Kelly, how's it going? Great, Davies. Good to see you. It's good to be here with you. <laughs> hey, I am really aware of one of the greater challenges I think that sometimes we run into. Sometimes we got to do like the top 10 challenges within these classical Christian school worlds that we live in. And that is the impression, especially in grammar schools, that these kids are just in this oppressive environment where they're having to memorize stuff. <laughs> they do memorize a lot of things. Yeah. But, but yeah. Think, I mean, I, I don't know. Again, you and I grew up kind of in the same era and I, somewhere around the 1970s in our country this idea of memorizing it used to be that in you know, grandparents generation they they would recite poems yep. and poetry and Shakespeare and Bible and somewhere along the way the progressive educators came along and said that is just drudgery yeah I think about fourth or fifth grade maybe was the last time I did a speech meet and I don't remember any of my yeah. kids you know my siblings even doing them at yeah. that old yeah you know. and, and yet we know that our kids actually they're, they're going to memorize something. It's going to be the jingle on the commercial. Mm. They're going to, so they're naturally wired for that. Their memories are amazing at this yes, age. And we have Google. That's not good. But, <laughs> uh, but so this interview, Carl Warmoth is the dean of the grammar school at the Ambrose School. And the Ambrose School has a uh, tradition, a lot of schools do this, of speech meet. So they're K through 6. They, these kids go memorize significant passages of great works or scripture. And then they stand in front of their peers and they, they practice or not practice, but they deliver. It's And it's remarkable. I've had the chance to see it a couple of times this year. I got to see two different sets of the groups and, and yeah. the kids. And it's just, it's amazing every year. It blows you away. Well, if you've not heard it, the good news is we actually have three of the uh, students who were in our speech meet come awesome. in the studio in this interview. And Carl is there. And I just want to encourage, if you have ever had a thought that those class, that classical Christian school, they just kind of feed sawdust to kids. And it sure would be better if they were finger painting or doing something <laughs> more, more uh, creative. I want to just tell you, there is there is a gift to our students and what it does in the neuroplasticity of their brain and everything else. It is a great gift to them as they go into those later stages of logic and rhetoric and so on. But anyhow, this is a great interview. Let's jump in with Carl Warman. Let's do it. Well, welcome to Basecamp Live. I'm in the studio live today with some really amazing, talented people. Uh, beginning with Mr. Carl Warmoth. How you doing, Carl? I'm doing well. Good morning, Davies. It's good to have you back on the show today. So you are the official title Grammar School Dean. I am. Grammar School Dean at the Ambrose School. That sounds pretty amazing. And you were head of school before, back in Alabama? Yes. I was headmaster of a, of a school in, near Auburn, Alabama. So you've been a part of this classical thing for a long time. For a little while now, yes. You've got a lot. Well, we're... <laughs> A lot of good insights from you, and I'm super glad to have you in here. Well, let's, who else is in the studio today? Who's this over here? I am Eli Link, and I'm in fifth grade. Fifth grade, Eli. Well, welcome. Who else is in here? I'm Jack Davis, and I'm from the sixth grade. All the way from the sixth grade. Yep. And then who else? I'm Megan Schur, and I'm in the sixth grade. All right. We've got a fifth and sixth represented today. Yeah, we do. 
So, I, Carl, I wanted to have a, it's, I love having students in the studio. This is I, I, every time we do this, people are like, "Oh, I love hearing from the students." I'm like, "Well, you're in for a treat today because we're talking you about are. something that is really, I think it's one of those struggles maybe that most people have in classical Christian education as parents, and that's the idea that asking our kids in the grammar stage to memorize things is like asking them to eat gravel. Yeah, and doing hard things in general. Sometimes we. Um, have people ask us why do we do those very difficult things yeah it, it you know we're in an interesting moment carl I and mean, we're all kind of products of our culture and our upbringing we live in a, a culture today that is certainly within the realm of education there's a huge movement right now to actually remove the teacher from the classroom i think there's two schools in our community that have kind of gone to just child child centered learning to yes the, point that the teacher's the guide on the side and that's right yes and um, one of the criticisms, I think, of classical Christian education, particularly the grammar stage, is that it is uh, talked about as, quote, rote memorization without any meaning. And so it takes a good teacher to be able to take those skills that children have in the grammar stage of memorization and put it to good use. Because when I think about uh, you know, this is interesting. The word grammar, grammar school. I mean, right. for for centuries, you went to a grammar school, which was the first part of the Latin trivium. Right. So a lot of schools today don't even realize they're actually named after this very re- real way that the students are educated. So when we talk about the three stages of the trivium, and I know a lot of schools, and I've said this before, our schools are classical Christian schools today are not just trivium schools. I mean, if that's the only way you define your school, you're missing on this whole idea of shaping the affections and all of that. It's so true. Yes. But it is real that we teach to the grain of the child. Yes. So, so when we think grammar school, we, what do we, let's just define our terms. What do we mean by grammar? Grammar means what? Like now well, it's and, the foundation. Okay. And, and one of the characteristics of the grammar stage is that students, uh, roughly kindergarten through roughly sixth grade, just have an amazing ability to be able to memorize huge volumes of information. And we want to take that ability and use it so that they can develop a, um, as you said, train their affections and um, be able to train them to love the Lord and uh, use that for kingdom building and, and developing a Christian worldview. So when we think about grammar, again, I, start, I think of the English grammar, like we're going to learn that's a noun and that's right, a verb. Right. But there's a grammar of geography, right? Yes, that's true. Have you guys learn the states and capitals and stuff? Yeah, they're nodding their heads. Have you learned, like, so there's a grammar of science, like life cycles, like a frog is a tadpole. Like, there's, that's a grammar. Right. There's a grammar of history. There's so, really a grammar of everything. If you wanted grammar. to learn how to be a great photographer, you wouldn't start out by putting your photos in a museum. You'd have to learn the grammar of Well, now my child's photos would be in a museum because, you know, my child is really gifted. Have Very I told special. you about my child? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't need that grammar. They're just naturally gifted, They just, Carl. yeah, automatically picked it up. And they are my, you know what? And, and they're creative. You should see my children with finger paints. It's amazing what they've I'm pulled sure. off. Yeah. I'm, oh, sure I'm sorry. Okay, well, let's get back to the topic. Well, for most of us, though, yes. <laughs> we'd have to learn the grammar of photography. What is an f-stop? What is mm. aperture? What, what do all of those things mean? And so that would be the grammar of learning how to take great photographs. And I think the logic of that would be, okay, now I understand those basic things and now I'm going to put them into practice. And the rhetoric of that would be actually having beautiful photographs that you could put on display. Yeah. So we're going to talk about um, a a process that we have. There's lots of grammar. We just define that. So at our school and schools around the country, there's this thing called speech meet. 
So what is Speech Meet, Carl? Speech Meet is a, a competition that we have at our school every year. It is for first through sixth graders, and the students have to pick a a work that they memorize and learn how to present in a winsome and articulate and beautiful way. And there's several different genres. They can pick the genre of poetry, fables, literary prose, historic oration, or Bible. Okay. So I'm curious. So maybe, um, Megan, you want to start? What did you, what did you end up picking? I picked, an, I picked Ronald Reagan's remarks on the 40th anniversary of D-Day. Oh, wow. Why did you pick that? Because it talks about our history in World War II and how it was important and that's how it shaped our future so that we're not all speaking German. Mm, I'm glad we're not. That's, I like German food, but I wouldn't want to speak German. Well, that's, so you've, that's a historical piece that you've, you're basically committing to memory. How long was that piece? And we're going to hear some of it here in just a minute. How long was it? The, the original piece was 13 minutes, but we cut it down to seven minutes. Wow. And we're going to get even more abbreviated. But, th- but you've memorized the full the full piece yes okay was that was that really difficult yes it was and how long did it take you a few weeks wow how much possibly a month wow and was this just misery and horror like eating gravel occasionally okay (laughs) sometimes it was pretty fun it was pretty fun (laughs) (laughs) but you committed to it and and uh, Megan was one of our students who received a superior rating in uh, speech me that's fantastic That's really good. So, okay, well, and Jack, let's Jack share a little bit. What did you end up memorizing? So I chose an excerpt from the Two Towers by J.R.R. Tolkien. From um, the Two Towers. Okay. Yeah. What? And and how long is that piece? Is it pretty? How long does it take? How many minutes when you do it? The full length. Uh, around three minutes. Around three minutes. Okay. And 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 was so. Do you? Do we, let me just ask you. When you do you memorize other things? Like, do you remember? Jingles and songs. I mean, if you hear a song, do you remember it pretty well? You do you? Um, well, I have to hear it a lot of times, over yeah. and over and over again. But but not as much as see Mr. Warmoth and I. When we hear something, it tends to like our brains are maybe not as nimble as yours because we're not in the grammar stage anymore. And it's I think this is the point: is that adults hear what you guys are doing and they think, "Boy, that is just so hard." Like I don't even remember my phone number because it's in my smartphone. Children do that. That just, yeah, I mean, shouldn't we all be out building, I don't know, building robots and finger painting and doing creative things? Or why are we memorizing? Because can't, I mean, Carl, that's a question. Why can't they, can't they just look up Reagan's speech or, I mean, uh, Two Towers? I've got the book. Why do we have to memorize it? Well, there's a few different reasons why. We, you know, we're commanded to hide God's word in our heart. And so the more that we do something, the more we practice it, the better that we get. And we're also preparing these students for the logic and rhetoric stage where uh, skillful writing and skillful speaking is more important. So with speech meet, particularly important is the uh, selections that they choose. Mm. So we want them to be meaningful and meaty selections. And the students like these three who really do well on speech meet mm. understand what they're talking about. So it isn't just memorizing. They're really connecting with the piece. They really understand what yep. is happening in it. And it helps with comprehension. You, it helps with their logic skills later and with so many different skills that they need as Christian young men. So in Megan's doing her senior thesis in a number of years, I bet you won't have to run, go look up what Reagan had to say. You're going to just know it because you memorized it. So you're you're going to reach back into your grammar brain and pull those things forward. Just like the English grammar, you're not having to go, wait, a noun and a verb. You just write and speak well. Right. 
And that's pretty profound. So, Eli, what did you end up uh, selecting for Speech Meet? I chose an excerpt from Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Overcoming Fear speech. Wow. How did you? Wow. How old are you? <laughs> 11. And and you just happen to stumble across Bonhoeffer? Like, that's just on your right next to Captain Underpants on your bed reading? Like, I mean, how did you? No, seriously. How, how did you select that? That's fantastic. So, me and my dad were looking for speeches, and we were just reading them through. And then my dad saw this one speech, and he's like, oh, wow, this is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And I'm like, really? And what's it about? And he looked at it, and I read it, and it was just really cool about overcoming fear because my parents have this one book, and it says Dietrich Bonhoeffer on the front, and then it said spy. (laughs) Uh, I think it might have said pastor and a couple other things, but I'm like, wow, if he was a spy and then he wrote (laughs) <laughs> and he said this speech, that must have been... Pretty, pretty amazing guy. Yeah. yeah, well worth remembering. So what, what Mr. Warmouth is just saying is that I think we often, again, think of memorization. We actually, I think, within classical Christian schools kind of pride ourselves that we don't just do rote memory. You know, cram and jam. A lot of schools um, today are just, here's a bunch of stuff to memorize. Stick it in your brain. Remember it for the test, and you can forget about it. But that's right. not what we're talking about memorization. This is a, this right. is When you memorize Bonhoeffer, that does something to you. Right. I mean, I mean, yes, we're going to hear it in just a minute. But I mean, this is <laughs> this is a kind of thing when you're 70 years old, you're like, I remember Bonhoeffer. And you repeat this wonderful thing that's a part of who you are. It shapes you. Right, Carl? It does. And we believe that the things that we expose our kids to when they're young, uh, those things do shape their affections. Right. And if they are exposed to simple things that are not beautiful, they right. will appreciate simple and not beautiful things. But obviously, right. um these students are going to, they definitely are going to be different people because right. of the type of education they're getting, the types of things they're learning, and the types of speeches that they're practicing becomes, and committing to memory, and it becomes a part of who they are. I mean, now Eli knows about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and this it's something that uh, whether he knows it or not will influence him for the rest of his life. Yeah, and that's part of the misnomer is that there is there is no value neutral education. Every education shapes you, and every child is actually doing speech meet, even though they're not in speech meet because they're memorizing whatever that's it right. is the commercial jingle, the, yep. the the latest slogan, yep, the whatever. So we're going to take a break. I'm excited. Stay tuned because when we come back, we're going to actually have these three present some of these amazing things. And I, and Mr. Warmoth and I will validate there because it's you can't see this. There's no paper in here. There's no teleprompter. This is coming from your amazing mind. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Canon Press is a publishing house located in Moscow, Idaho. Canon Press, we create and provide products that sketch a vision of the whole life, a whole culture, a life full of beauty, tradition, education, community, laughter, and celebration, unashamed of Christ, and sharply at odds with the values of modernity, a mature culture with the church at the center, living out the good life, one family at a time. We believe our book, audio, and visual selections reflect this exciting life that God has given us under the sun. As the wisest man said, go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already accepted your works. Canonpress.com. Welcome back to Basecamp Live. We are here in the studio talking about this amazing gift that children have in the grammar stage of being able to memorize and to think 
and these very concrete terms that then become the building blocks that you guys can lean back on for years to come. So I'm sitting here with Eli. Eli, you've memorized Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the spy. Yes. So I did. go ahead. Let's. People are like, well, quit talking, Davies, because we got some talent in the studio. You guys, I want to hear from you. So Eli, will you share again? Tell us again what the piece is, and then go ahead and present a section of it for us. So this piece is an excerpt from Overcoming Fear by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Okay, let's hear it. But the human being doesn't have to be afraid. We should not be afraid. That is what makes us different from all other creatures. In the midst of every situation where there is no way out, where nothing is clear, where it is our fault, we know that there is hope, and that hope is called Thy will be done. Yes, thy will is being done. This world must fall. God stands above all. His thoughts unswayed, his word unstayed, his will forever are ground in hope. Do you ask, how do you know? Then, we name the name of the one who makes the evil inside us recoil who makes fear and anxiety themselves tremble with fear and puts them to flight. We name the one who overcame fear and led it captive in the victory procession, who nailed it to the cross and committed it to oblivion. We name the one who is the shout of victory, of humankind redeemed from the fear of death, Jesus Christ, the crucified and living one. Wow, well done. Great job. I can't. I was t- sitting there thinking, it was just, uh, what would Dietrich Bonhoeffer think of you in 2018 saying those amazing words? He would be so proud. And I, then it occurred to me, I wonder what Dietrich Bonhoeffer, when he was in prison in a Nazi, Nazi concentration camp, how many things he had memorized that nobody could take from him. Well, that's an excellent point. And that, that speaks to, I think, the heart of speech meet and that words have eternal consequences. Yeah, absolutely. So, Eli, was that hard to memorize? It, it wasn't hard, as hard as it was the last few times because I have done speech meet before and the mem- while doing it, my third time, uh, my, my fourth time actually, it wasn't as hard as it was the last three times because I've done it before. Yeah, your skills are increasing there. So, is, so doing hard things is, is something that you've actually you're getting better at doing the hard thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So that's amazing. Um, okay. Well, let's, Jack, you want to share yours? Um, slide the mic over there for Jack. So Jack, tell us again, you've memorized what? I memorized an excerpt from the two ties by J.R.R. Tolkien. And, and again, and this is a piece. Um, how did you pick this piece of all things? What, why this particular excerpt? Well, every year I've done a speech about, story the great idea story which is when the power of words affects the minds and hearts of the people or the plot and i wanted to close it off with what story really is so wow yeah all right well let's hear it go ahead excerpt from the two towers by J.R.R. tolkien don't the great tales never end no they never end as tales said frodo but the people in them come and go when their parts ended our part will end later or sooner. And then we could have some rest and some sleep, said Sam. He laughed grimly. And I mean just that, Mr. Frodo. I mean plain, ordinary rest and sleep, waking up to a morn's work in the garden. I'm afraid that's all I'm hoping for all the time. 
All the big important plans aren't for my sort. Still, I wonder if we shall ever be put into songs or tales. We're in one, of course, by mean put into words, you know. Told by the fireside, or read out of a great big book with red and black letters years and years afterwards. And people will say, let's hear about Frodo and the Ring. And they'll say, yes, that's one of my favorite stories. Frodo was very brave, wasn't he, Dad? Yes, my boy, the famousest of the hobbits. And that's saying a lot. That's saying a lot too much, said Frodo. And he laughed, a long, clear laugh from his heart. Such a sound had not been heard in those places since Sarum came to Middle-earth. To Sam, it suddenly seemed as if the stones were listening, and the tar rocks leaning over them. But Frodo did not heed them. He laughed again. Why, Sam, he said, to hear you somehow makes me as merry as if the story was already written. An excerpt from The Two Tars by J.R.R. Tolkien. Well done, Jack. Great job, Jack. Thank that you. Great. I wish you guys could see Jack because he's not only speaking and he's got he's got some hand some gestures, hand and motions and just, going. Yeah, I mean, it's, eye contact. It's really amazing. So well done, well done. And and that yeah, go ahead. Were you asking for? Were you asking him something? Oh no. Okay. <laughs> I was just impressed, Jack. That was really well done. So that, again, that's something that you will be able to pull out of your own built-in library in your head, which is amazing. What a gift. So well done. All right. Well, let's go. So Megan, um, let's hear some Reagan. Can you do it with his accent, too? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> but I'll, I'll try. <laughs> All right. There he goes. Get up. Okay, here we are. Forty summers have passed since the battle that you fought here. You were young the day that you took these cliffs. Some of you, hardly more than boys, with the deepest joys of life ahead of you. Yet you risked everything here. Why? Why did you do it? What impelled you to put aside the instinct for self-preservation and risk your lives to take these cliffs? What inspired all the men of the armies that met here? Gentlemen, we look at you and somehow we know the answer. It was faith and belief. It was loyalty and love. The men of Normandy had faith that what they were doing was right. Faith that they fought for all humanity. Faith that a just God would grant them mercy on this beachhead or on the next. It was a deep knowledge, and pray to God that we have not lost it, that there is a profound moral difference between using force for liberation and using force for conquest. You were here to liberate, not to conquer, and you and those others did not doubt your cause, and you were right not to doubt. Well done. Well done. Yeah, that was, um, you know... (laughs) I think it is. Go ahead. So, Megan, uh, would you mind just telling us a little bit about your experiences with speech meet? Were there times that there were difficulties to overcome? Um, did you do you feel like this is a good program for the Ambrose School and other schools to to participate in? Yes, I do think it is a good program for the other schools and for our school to keep, because sometimes, yes, it might be hard and it might be like eating gravel. <laughs> but other times it actually is really rewarding and fun. What what makes it rewarding and fun? Getting it to, getting to do it in front of the classes and seeing their surprise expressions and seeing it move their hearts sometimes and it's fun to speak in front of them personally. Yeah. Jack. 
So some people might think, well, these these three kids must be just incredibly extroverted kids who are loud and bold and in everyone's face all of the time and have that sort of personality that they like the spotlight and attention. Would you say that's true or do you think that speech meet is something that uh, kids with all different types of personalities can succeed in? I don't think that's true. I think it's, as you said, a thing that all kids could participate in because it doesn't matter whether you're shy or you're really out there. Um, I myself, I don't really speak that much, but um, I actually think that sometimes if you don't speak much and you process it more, the more you know it, the better the better understanding you have of it because the more you can think about it. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And for either of you three, what do you think is the most important part of delivering a speech? So all three of these these students here have received superiors in speech meet. What do you think is the most important thing to do to uh, deliver a really, really good presentation? Go ahead, I would, Eli. Yeah. I would say that the most important thing is it's kind of what my speech is talking about, actually, and it helps me a lot, actually, is just to remember that no matter what happens, God is with you and he's by your side the whole time. And if you're having trouble memorizing or when you're about to say it in front of a bunch of people or just something is, isn't going well, you could just remember that God is always with you and no matter what happens, his will is being done. And you don't have to be afraid because he is watching over you at mm. all times. Davies, when I was watching these presentations in the classroom and in the various rounds, one of the things that blessed me the most was the support that these kids were giving each other through their um, smiles, their nods, their facial expressions, their glances at each other. Um, so I wanted to ask you, do you... Do you think that speech meet in any way helped build community among you or in your classroom? Go ahead, Megan. Yeah. I think it does help build community and help build friendships because everyone's always there for each other and it and everyone always is really encouraging about it. Mm -hmm. And they like to and we like to help each other out. And so actually, just to make, if somebody's listening, kind of, so the structure of this, so it begins, so every every classroom does it, and then there's multiple rounds, and there's a panel. Kind of explain just the mechanics sure. of the flow. Yeah. Yes. So at the beginning of the year, uh, in around September, students need to submit their selections to the teacher for approval, and then they begin memorizing them. And most of the work is done at home. We have a couple of memorization checks uh, that the teacher does. The teacher will listen to them a couple of times and mark a rubric and give them suggestions on how they should uh, improve. And then we have uh, the first round is conducted in the classroom, and we have three judges who will listen to the speeches. And yes, it is a bit subjective, but we try to make it as objective as possible with a rubric, and we'll give them a score, which will give them either a poor, a fair, a good, an excellent, or a superior. And uh, and around 10% of our student body receives superiors. Mm -hmm. So it's, it is a, uh, a, a pretty strict 
rubric. It isn't a certificate of participation gonna, type of a deal. I mean, there's a whole other podcast just in what you just described, Carl. I mean, again, completely counter to the way most people think today, which is everybody should get a trophy just because they tried. I right. Mean, I mean, you're actually saying to some child that they're not as good as another child. I mean, yep. why would you do that? I mean, that seems unkind. Yeah. Well, it's uh, there's there's a whole lot about overcoming adversity, and in yeah. our culture today, we don't really know what that means to overcome adversity. We we think that we do, but we don't. And uh, there's we try to create situations in a friendly, uh, loving environment that is Christ-centered for our kids to be able to overcome adversity and learn yeah. learn from that process. Well, I mean, I've seen, I knew that as I said it. I mean, yeah, it, it, of course, it, to Megan's point, it's, this is a wonderful community. This is not, you know, snickering at the person who didn't do quite as well exactly. as another person. It's And it's so much beyond just memorization that's taking place. It is a great way to build connection community. So, so Carl, kind of is our time's winding down. Just somebody's, there are folks listening that they don't have this at their school. So um, I'm sure they can email email me here. I'll be glad to kind of connect you to maybe some. We've got materials on kind of how it's done. We could help. We do. We, we've actually shared uh, our information with quite a few other schools around the country yeah. that have been interested in this. We have a training video. We can provide our copies of our rubric. That's we can awesome. provide selections of uh, speeches that our students do that. Uh, perform that that are yeah. good speeches to do. Yeah, no, I think yeah, I actually Googled speech meet and it was a ton of schools popped up that are doing it. So this is not uncommon. So what about a family that's listening that um, it, maybe their child's already out of the grammar stage? I mean, is it too later for us? I mean, should we just like you know the brain is shriveled up like a raisin? There's nothing, no no chance of even worrying about memorization. Is there still value you think for for those who are, students who are older adults? Absolutely. And, and one of the things, I mean, Davies, you've done quite a bit of research on neuroplasticity of the brain. Mm. And it, it is true that as we get older, we lose certain skills and abilities physically and mentally. But it is also true that if we practice them, we, we the body has an amazing ability to regenerate those things. Yeah. And, and you can't let it go. Yeah. You do have to. And it's, um, you know, looking at, at it from the most serious terms, if we were ever in a situation where we did not have access to a Bible, just having that ability to memorize yep. things, uh, to memorize scripture, if nothing else, that would be it's a good thing uh, to pursue. High value. Yeah. So start simple, even just a, a verse of the day or whatever, but you know, it's, it's encouraging. And, and again, Megan, Jack and Eli, thank you for inspiring us and thank you for your, um, your hard work. And I, and, and hopefully others will join you and doing speech meet around the country. Thanks to your inspiration. So, and thanks Carl for you being here today. Yeah. Thank you, Davies. I always appreciate you doing these. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. All right. I'm off to memorize something. So, <laughs> all right. We'll see you later. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Basecamp Live. You know, raising the next generation of young people isn't easy, but we'd like to offer you some opportunities to join your fellow travelers in this journey of ancient future education. Hey, Kelly, you know what's really exciting? We just added to the website, basecamplive.com, a whole section that's uh, designed around getting the word out. It's called Start Here. If you're new, it tells you how to get fully subscribed to it. If you're a school leader, um, you can you can link on to your school website and kind of get updates every time we do a new show is released. It appears on the school website. That's kind of that's kind of exciting. And, and one of the things that I'm really excited about is this new climbers idea that we're putting together. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about yeah, that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just simply we want to hear stories. I mean, the, what, what I'm humbled by are the number of people literally around the globe who are saying there's a better way to raise the next generation and they're jumping in whatever their context is. And we want to know what you're doing and kind of how you discovered this. And we're just going to create some 
kind of smaller little vignettes of stories of people. And uh, so, yeah, info at BasecampLive.com. Let us know what your story is. Yeah, we don't have to do this alone. Info at BasecampLive.com. That sounds great. All right. Thanks for joining us and see you at the next episode.